We now are going to head up to Rutherglen and have a chat with Jen Pfeiffer, who is well known to our listeners and the winery is, is very well known. Um, good morning to you, Jen. G'day, Simon. G'day, Jill. How are you? Going well, thank you. Um, so how's, uh, we've been asking everyone how the weather, weather is because it seems to be nice everywhere. <laughs> how is the weather up in Rutherglen today? It is a beautiful day. I've, uh, I've been up to see the sunrise this morning, so it was a, a glorious start to the morning. Um, quite cool overnight, uh, down to 10 degrees, which is Ooh. is pretty cool for Rutherglen in, in summer, mm. uh, and an, an expected mm. top of 30 today. But we've had a couple of really warm days, Friday, Saturday, so it's a nice nice little change. Yeah, just keep it keep it cool, because it does get, get quite warm up there, doesn't it? Mm. Look. Rutherglen rather, rather can be, yeah, very, very warm in, in summer. You know, it wouldn't be unusual for us to have 40-degree degree days. But, in fact, this summer we haven't had a, a single 40-degree day. So it's really been, you know, that follow-on from the, the, the wetter spring and into the very mild summer. Yeah, and how's vintage looking for you guys? Um, we, we've spoken with um, Adam Waterwich, uh, who obviously has vineyards in uh, Adelaide Hills and um, then... McLaren Vale and Tassie, um, and then down on the Bellarine, we've just had, had a chat. So uh, how's it looking for you guys? You've got the same sort of long ripening uh, vintage, I guess? Yeah, so uh, as I said, I, I, like most people in the southeastern states, we had a very wet spring, which definitely delayed uh, has delayed the ripening period as well as the, the mild summer. So normally I would expect to be in vintage sort of starting about now, uh, but I think we're more looking to be about 10 days away. So, yeah, 10 days to two weeks late. So, um, it, look, it's certainly been a challenging season for us. We were, you know, we had some impact from the flooding, the Murray River flooding, oh. um, mm. because one of our vineyards backs onto the to the Murray. So we've, we've had some impact from that where we had the, the vineyard underwater, um, actually the whole, you know, the whole vine, all the leaves, all the fruit completely Gee. underwater. Um, so, yeah, so that's really put a lot of challenges to us, but... Um, you know, once once the water receded, we made the decision that we're you know we're going to crack on and and try and and you know save the what what what's left of the crop and and so that's been our focus and uh, yeah, you've just got to remain remain positive. The fruit that we've got left is going to have amazing flavour. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's, it's quantity over quality. Did did it create disease uh, issues once the water receded? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, there def- definitely um, has been some disease issues uh, with, with downy mildew, uh, which, you know, we weren't, because, obviously, because the, the vines were underwater um, and, and, and some of the vines were half-half, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, we couldn't access the vineyard to put any protective sprays on or, or anything like that. So we've, we've basically been playing catch-up um, all, all season. So, um, yes, yeah, so I... Uh, I, I know you were just playing Elton John before, but um, I'm thinking of that song by Blind Melon, No Rain, because that's what I want now for in, in, until the end of harvest. Yeah, well, Adam said exactly the same thing. Just mm. no rain, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so, uh, well, if you're thinking sort of 10, to, 10 days, two weeks, that that's just about going to align with um, one of your biggest festivals up there, the um, <laughs> Taste of Rutherglen. On the long yeah, weekend. 
Yes, so um, my dad, Chris, who's celebrating his 50th vintage this year, which is, uh, you know, quite an achievement. Wow. Um, he, you know, he said to me, oh, look, you know, in the, in the 80s and, uh, and in, the, in the 90s, we used to always start around Taste of Brother Glen. I always used to wonder, will we pick, you know, the Friday before or the Tuesday after that long weekend? So it sort of seems to be a bit of a season to return back to, you know, the, yeah, the 80s and, and the 90s. But, yeah, really looking forward to, to having the, the Taste of Brother Glen Festival. It's a great celebration of wine and food across the whole Rutherglen region, which sort of acts like a progressive lunch, if you like. Every every participating winery uh, offers a dish which is mashed, matched to a particular wine chosen, chosen by the winemaker, and the, the, the customers can come and have a look and, and sort of think, oh, I really like the sound of, uh, of, of that dish at, at Pfeiffer's. Let's go there, and then I might move on somewhere else and, and move on somewhere else and, and can just... You know, eat and drink your way around the district. It's heaps of fun. And there's, is there still a shuttle bus for people to get from winery to winery? Yes, yeah. There's a there's a, a shuttle bus that um, that yeah operates out of um, Rutherglen and and Corowa and Wagunya, um, and and that that yeah has different routes and and you can sort of go to four or five wineries on each route and then head back into town and change route and go to a to another you know four or five. I think four or five is a good number to do in a day, yeah, though. I reckon, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, and uh, Jen, go on. Sorry, Jen, sorry. sorry. I'll, I'll, no, I was actually just going to turn uh, very quickly to some of the, I mean, the fact that we've got the, the taste of Rutherglen coming up. The main, I guess, the flagship grapes of Rutherglen are, well, fortifies anything, um, but uh, Petit Verdot is is big there. So what, what what do you find are some of more of the emerging varietals that you, you guys are, are looking at or coming out of Rutherglen that we can expect to see? Yeah, look, you're right, Jill. Every everyone does associate Rutherglen with our with our fortifieds because they are just w- such world class, so wines, good, such, such, yeah, mm. such world beaters. Um, and I think Rutherglen Jurif is also quite uh, quite famous. And and it's interesting, yes. um, you know, Jurif is is definitely enjoying a bit more time in the in the sun. Um, where all all of, all the producers in Rutherglen are having really strong um, Jurif sales. And and actually, interestingly, we're also Seeing a spike in our fortified sales, so 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 that's really encouraging. But um, to answer your question about the emerging varieties, um, there's quite a lot of push for Spanish and uh, Portuguese um, varietals mm-hmm. coming through. So you know, Tempranillo loves a bit of sunshine. So Rutherglen is mm. fantastic, fantastic for that. Some of the Portuguese uh, red varietals, things like Torriga Nacional, Tinta mm-hmm. Barroca, Tinta Cow, things that that we actually have quite mature plantings of because we've been using them for fortified wines where, yes. you know, seeing, seeing people experiment into table wine productions with, with these varieties mm. as well. Well, um, you mentioned Portuguese uh, specifically. I mean, Alvarino or Alvarino is definitely one of my favourites. Uh, how's, how's the white wine Portuguese looking? Well, there's, there's less, I, I guess there's been more investment in into red varietals. And yeah. I suppose that speaks a little bit more to our to our typical climate you know maybe not this mm. year's climate but to our typical climate climate but um uh look stanton and colleen who are great friends of ours have, have planted a rinto which is a portuguese um varietal and have alvarinho as well and and they're you know they're doing a great job with those wines 
Yeah, right. Mm. Okay. You're, you're specifically, you're a bit of a, a gamay lover, I, I think oh, I've read before. So am I. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gamay's beautiful, beautiful. Tell, tell us, what, what is it that you love about it? Oh, well, I, I, it's a fun, for me, it's one of the most fun wines to make. So, um, you know, I guess we, our plantings of, of Gamay date back to 1974. They were planted out before my parents purchased the property in 1984. The property was owned by Seppelt and, and Carl Seppelt was a, a really progressive thinker and he planted a whole heap of wonderful things that, that we've benefited from. And, and one of them is, is Gamay and, and, and yeah, it's. I, I guess it's a wine that we, you know, there, when my dad started making it in the eighties, I think there was only one or two other people in Australia who had Gamay, so it really gave Fifers the opportunity to ex- experiment and and explore how to make the variety. And, and we do, uh, you know, we make the wine with a hundred percent carbonic maceration, meaning we handpick the grapes and we leave them in closed vessels for two to three weeks. Um, relying on fermentation to begin to produce CO2 to protect the, the fruit from going off. And then we open up these vessels and then we whack, put our shorts on and we jump in and we crush the grapes um, with our feet, which is really traditional. Um, old school traditional style. Method. Yeah, old school style. Um, we invite our customers to come along and, and lend a hand and it becomes a big, you know, we have the music on, it becomes a really big fun um, fun day at the winery, and um, everyone gets absolutely covered in um, in wine, and yeah, it's a, it's a load of fun. But and the resultant wine, I mean, I wouldn't do it if I didn't think the benefit was in the resultant wine. That real gentle sure. foot treading um, lends itself really nicely to Gamay because it's not a big, heavy red, so you get a more gentle mm-hmm. extraction of the tannin. And um, yeah, I just think it's you know for for whether you know that we're enjoying at the moment for our fresco dining. You know, it's lovely to have a, a lighter red um, that goes so well with so many savoury foods um, that's yes. got lots of flavour. Like, what's not to love? Yeah, I can I can only imagine that Gamay is just going to be on the up and up. I mean, given that it's basically yeah, it, it's 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 Beaujolais, right? And yeah. Beaujolais, just saying, is not cheap. And uh, and you don't come. I mean, obviously you can you can come across it in Australia, but as I said, it isn't cheap. Um, it is delicious, and the following is quite huge. So you'd think. I mean, Gamay is not enormous uh, in Australia. Um, obviously, it's becoming a little bit more. So what's your take on the future of it? Like, just say, I don't know, in, in 10 years' time, where do you think Gamay is going to be for the Australians' consumers? Oh, I think, you know, yeah, I think you're 100% right. Gamay is on the rise and, and we're definitely seeing more people planting it and, and wanting to make it. Um, you know, I, I think we've, as wine consumers, we've embraced, lighter more medium bodied style wines you know um you've seen that with the popularity of pinot noir you know that you know the Mm. popularity and the availability of pinot noir say today versus you know 20 years ago in the in the early 2000s um is massive and and that's you know i think people are ready for for these wines and it's not it's not so different to to pinot noir you know they are they are Mm. related and so it's not a flavor profile that's really difficult for the consumer to understand so i just no. yeah i just i just think it's easy to pronounce gamay although some people might start calling it gammy uh, gammy if they drink too many but uh <laughs> um, gamay <laughs> exactly so yeah look i i think it's got a big future and um mm. you know i feel really lucky that we've you know our young vines were planted in 1991 
So, um, you know, we're, we're, we've got some really mature fruit um, or vines and, that produce really flavourful fruit to work with and, and so I feel really lucky. I can't imagine many others were, uh, were planting it back then. No, not at all. Especially in your um, region. Gosh. Mm. Yeah, so look, I, look I, I think, you know, it's probably, um, you know, because of its, its heritage and closeness to Pinot Noir, it's not the, the normal thing that you would think to plant in, in Rutherglen. And, but, uh, you know, for, from my point of view, part of, the, part of my role is to preserve the history of our property, property and, um, and it's to look after these, these gamma, gamma vines and, and uh, you know, and, and, and then also preserve them into the future. So we took, we took cuttings when we planted in 1991. We took cuttings off the old vines and grafted um, onto, rootstock, onto rootstock um, and planted that. So we've got that old, old vine material even coming through in the younger mm. vines. Mm, that's good, isn't it? Um, uh, just on that, on that sort of pellet weight that we're talking about with, with Gamay and with Pinot, um, the Giriff uh, wines out of the out of the region typically have been, you know, higher in alcohol, like fifteen or sixteen percent. Sometimes, is that still where you're sort of finishing them, or are you backing that alcohol off a little these days? Yeah. So look, I mean, we're going from one end of the spectrum to the other, aren't we? Mm. So from Gamay, which is that lovely lighter, more medium-bodied style, to Giriff, which is unashamedly full-bodied. You know, mm. um, that's what that's what Jurif is. It's a you know we we say Jurif lovers like to drink with their eyes. You look at the you look at a Jurif and you don't want to be able to see through it. You know that's um, <laughs> no. that's really that's really important. But I I think definitely um, you know definitely there's moved moves away for, from sixteen percent. That's that's really unusual to see sixteen percent Jurif now. Um, and I think most people are trying to hit between fourteen and fourteen and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, to try and balance that 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 alcohol, it's it's a tough variety. Um, you know, it is actually quite a difficult variety to grow, and it's a difficult variety to to get right. It likes it does like warm weather, but it doesn't necessarily always cope really well when it's super hot um, because it can tend to raisin a little bit, and you can get sugars racing in the fruit. Mm without the flavour coming through. And so in years, in those hot years, that's maybe where the alcohols might push a little bit because, you know, as a winemaker, you're wanting the flavour to come and you sort of wait a little bit longer. So you sort of um, have to hang on, yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it doesn't like the wetter years um, because the skins are quite soft and they, they can deteriorate quite quickly. So, you know, warm without being hot and dry is super important for the jury and that's what we normally normally have um mm. so i tend to when in terms of making my picking t- decisions the, the most critical thing i'm looking at is the, is the tannin ripeness um you know it's a variety with a lot of tannin a lot, a lot of power so i want those tannins to be ripe i don't want them to be green mm. um because i yes. don't want a mouthful of green tannin i want a mouthful of rich ripe tannin you know so yeah. that, that's, yeah. that's a consideration but i think you know i think all the Jurif wines that I see coming out of Rutherglen now are more are brighter, uh, you know, more vibrant, have more vitality, and that's definitely because they're not so not not being as weighed down so much by by the by the alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so just quickly on that, because Jurif, I'd say I think Jurif probably uh, makes one of my favourite fortifieds. Um, how do you think with that change of of how you're making Jurif, how is that affecting the fortified that you're making from it? 
Well, that, that's, a, that's a completely, you know, that we've just been talking about table wine. So fortified, fortified production is very, very different, I suppose, because the alcohol content that we finish the wines at is dependent on, you know, we, we determine that and, and fortify to that desired amount. So, you know, if, if using drift for uh, a, a vintage fortified red, like a port style wine or something like that, you know, we'll be looking to fortify that to around 18% or something like that, you know, because that's part of the style. But in terms yeah. of the picking decision, um, you know, from my point of view, I wouldn't be picking it any riper than what I would be for table wine because I'm still wanting to capture the vitality of the fruit um, sure. in, the, in the fortified wine as well. Yeah, and then the fortified, fortifying process is obviously adding a spirit, like Correct. a brandy spirit or something to it to, <clears throat> to um, yeah, well, which, you know, stops it oxidising and all that sort of thing, doesn't it? Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, that that that's right. So, um, and so, yeah. I mean, it's 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 pretty hard to make low alcohol fortified wines. It sort of goes against the um, mm. against the whole concept, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. And it'd have to take some of the lusciousness away, probably, wouldn't it? Mm. Well, one of the things you know that that alcohol does provide is mouthfeel. Mm. You know, alcohol does give you weight, give you glycerol, gives you mouthfeel, and um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think that that's part of it. That's part of the style with fortified wines. The great thing is, you know, if um, if we, you know, if we're wanting to moderate our in- intake of alcohol with fortified wine, you don't have to drink the whole bottle over a couple of days. You can just yeah. have a small quantity and sip it um, quietly over a week. And that's, I think, you know, that's a great advantage for those wines. Yeah. Or you buy yourself a Coravon, which I'm very, very happy to now have. Yeah, I, I I I got one for Christmas too, actually. Yeah, yeah, I got mine for Christmas from my husband. Yes. Yeah, they're Love great. It. Thanks, mate. So, yeah, no, they're really, really great. I'm not sure if they we're are. allowed to endorse products like that. Oh, we're allowed to endorse stuff. it. In a yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Coravin is a fantastic invention. It was invented mm-hmm. by, a, by a doctor. Okay. Yeah. That's where the mm-hmm. technology of the needle going into the cork sort of Yes, comes. yeah. Um, no, it's fascinating now, stuff. Jen, when, whenever we chat to you, we always um, want to tap in and, and hear how your, you know, side project, I guess, is going, um, and that's with making wine uh, with naked wines. Yep. Uh, and you often talk about, uh, you know, the angels who are, the, the you know, people who sign up for a monthly subscription and um, uh, and they're called angels. Um, and so they'll often come to Pfeiffer's and in part, to meet you because they're following you on on the Naked Wines project. Yeah, look, that's that's true. I've got a wonderful, um, <coughs> loving and loyal following from from the angels via via Naked Wines, and that you know we certainly encourage all of the angels to come up and and try and uh, you know pop in and, and say say good day. And if I'm around, I certainly do try and um, say good day. It's it's, uh, it's wonderful to meet the people who, who support you, you mm-hmm. know, and and um, and we think that you know I think that's really really important so yeah and look it's been a great naked wines has been a great um opportunity for me i think what is it's what it does really well is it the way it can connect the consumer to the winemaker in that Mm. online environment you know which is really hard to do it's hard to establish a relationship Mm. in an online environment but naked wines have managed to do that so well and um you know i naked wines exist in the uk and and the and the u.s and I just over Christmas and New Year's, I had some friends from Scotland who uh, came out to stay with me. And I met them about 
10 years ago now uh, when I was in Scotland promoting uh, my wines through Naked Wines and, <laughs> wow. and they were angels and they came, came to one of the tastings and we just, you know, got talking and, and really hit it off. And then the next time I was in Scotland, you know, we had dinner together and, and then the friendship just, you know, grew and evolved from, from nice. there. And um, and then, you know, they came out to Australia, uh, for, you know, over the summer period and, and came and stayed with me over Christmas and New Year. And I think that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that Naked Wines through their community, you know, has been able to, you know, that, that's a result of that community. I think that's what really I love so much about Naked and what makes Naked so unique. Yeah. Well, it's, it, is, it is a great business model um, and I guess you've been involved in it for quite a while. You've sold over 2 million bottles, um, probably well over 2 million bottles now, um, which actually does sound like a lot of wine. It does sound what like do you, It really does. Um, and you've got a, a large uh, range of your wines, uh, some of them we've touched on today. What would you say are the biggest sellers? What are, what are people wanting? Uh, three naked wines. Yeah. Yeah, three uh, three three naked wines. My biggest seller is um, Shiraz. is is um, is one of one of my biggest sellers. Which the Rebel know, Shiraz, I, Rebel Shiraz is is one of my biggest sellers, yeah. and and the the Rebel Bubbles is um, yes. is one of my biggest sellers as as well. Um, and yeah, I look. I I think um, you know what I try and do with with naked with naked wines is is I guess honor my commitment that I'm trying to make you know, great wines at, at the very best prices to live to mm. deliver that value proposition to the angels. And and obviously the angels think I'm doing okay in that regard. So, um, <laughs> yeah, with supporting me, as, as you said, with over 2 million bottles, it, that, that sounds like a lot of hangovers there. So <laughs> <laughs> Really? <does that? laughs> um, yes. Yes. Um, so um, the, the um, long weekend, so taste <laughs> of Rutherglen, um, yep. are there still... Tickets available? Do you think? And I, I know you're not necessarily the ambassador for the for the event, but um, you know you have a you've got that Sunday Creek Bridge. Is I hope that wasn't affected by the floods. No, so the the bridge survived the flood, which is is great, and it's um, thanks for bringing that up, uh, Simon. Because yeah, Taste of Rutherglen on the Saturday night we have our Saturday wine down from five pm till eight pm, where we've got. Live music, uh, wine cocktails on the bridge, glasses of wine on the bridge, cheese platters, uh, lamb tacos um, to watch the sun go down in our beautiful, magnificent location on Sunday Creek. So we've got a 42-metre timber bridge. We've got the beautiful grounds with the big pine trees. And, yeah, it's just a a lovely way to actually wind down and, and, you know, just um, after the, the big day of touring around, trying all of the food and wine, just relax with a glass of wine or a wine cocktail and listen to the live music. It's a great way to finish the the day off and then have a, enough sleep to get back and uh, get back out there and do it again on the Sunday. That's it's it is a sounds big, like a great weekend. Great weekend. So your your place seems to have a little um, more decorum than some. Um, is it still <laughs> is it still an event where people dress up and you know groups of people theme themselves all together? Oh, look, I think you're confusing that one with the winery walkabout. Ah, yes, I am. You're right. Now, this is a little bit more uh, refined, this whole event, isn't it? Yeah, look, this is the real this is the real food and wine um, event, uh, you know. So we've got the the real foodies and, and the people really interested in wine. 
definitely um, come to the region for this one. And, and there's, you know, there's a great program with masterclasses and special events at a number of wineries, which, um, you know, people can access what's happening on, on the Winemakers of Brother Glen website. Um, there's links to Taste of Brother Glen. You can see the events. Um, and the program of events for Taste of Brother Glen there. So there's so much going on. There's great dinners. Um, they, as I said, there's masterclasses. We're having our, our, our wine down on Saturday. So, you know, it is, it is for the wine enthusiast and, and the foodie, it's, it's a great weekend. And the weather's normally terrific. There's a buzz of activity because there's vintage going on. So, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a wonderful time to come to our region. And, and we certainly hope lots of people can, can come and join us. Yeah, that's fantastic. So get on, get some tickets and uh, go and see Jen. Um, and congrats to, to your dad, Chris, then. Uh, 50 vintages is, yeah. uh, that is a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And I, I you know, these, these days people like, you know, me and, and, and younger people than me, we go and do vintages overseas. You know, we'll do Southern Hemisphere and Northern Hemisphere vintage and that's an easy way to rack up your vintages. But, uh, you know, my, my dad started his career in 1973 and, and he never did a vintage overseas. So he's done, you know, that's 50, 50 years, 50 vintages. It's mm. quite quite an effort. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, there's not too many seasons, you know, that, that he hasn't seen when I when I sit there and, and talk of, you know yeah. talk about the um you know the flooding and well you know there was uh there was flooding in 1975 that was you know pretty bad and this is what happened and this is what we did or you know when you talk about really you know big heat waves well there was a heat wave you know back in 2008 and remember this is what we did and all of you know all of those kind of things and um yeah you really you know that experience is just priceless yeah isn't it though and and so important for you to get to have those chats um, with your dad, you know, while yeah. he's, you know, easily able to remember them and, and, you know, enthusiastically helping make decisions based on them. You know, it's uh, it's invaluable. I, yeah, 100%. I think one of the one of the great things about Rutter Glen is what I call cross-generational winemaking. Um, it's, you know, it's so important in, in family businesses. It's so important for fortified wine production as well because we're blending wines from multiple vintages that have so much history. Um, and, I, you know, I think that cross-generational winemaking, when you can have a really good um, relationship with the, the generation above or below you, which, you know, depending on which side of it you're on, um, it, it, that's when you tend to make the magic when it comes when it comes to the wine, and we've seen some great partnerships um, mm-hmm. in our in our region, um, and hopefully Chris, my dad, and me are, are considered one of them. Jen, thank you. It's always great to have a chat, and I'm glad it's been a little long since we uh, did have you on the show last. So thank you for your time again.